Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Seattle Nice. I'm David Hyde, joined as always by Publicola's Erica C. Barnett. Hi, Erica. Hello. And political consultant Sandeep Kaushik. Sandeep, how are you? I am good. Thank you, David. All right, this week, uh, the big news, Seattle City Council member Lisa Herbold has announced she's not running for re-election. And uh, for folks who don't know the city that well, don't know Lisa Herbold, she represents the first district in West Seattle. She was first elected back in 2015. She was re-elected in 2019. But she's known as a pretty um, knowledgeable council person because of her longtime experience as an aide dating back even further uh, with Nick Licata, is what I would say anyway. So the big question really is like, why is she saying she's not running again? Who wants to take it? So in her announcement, which she made on her blog um, on Friday, you know, she said that she is concerned about, I mean, she actually didn't say a whole lot, but she said um, specifically she's concerned about being primaried from the left um, and having a situation, as she described it, like uh, happened with Pete Holmes, the former city attorney, uh, in 2021, where he got sort of outflanked on the left and outflanked on the right. And we ended up uh, with uh, Sandeep's favorite person, um, Nicole Thomas Kennedy, uh, running from the left, an abolitionist candidate, um, and Ann Davison, um, an actual Republican uh, on the right. And of course, Davison won. And she said she didn't want to have that situation. Now, I think there is a lot um, to dive into just in that example. Um you know, and, and I don't know that I think it's the greatest example because Pete Holmes was not really campaigning. He sort of thought he had it in the bag. But, um, but you know, she's obviously feeling uh, pressured from the left. Um, she's why I mean, the criticism of her from the far left is uh, quite over the top. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I think, I think the scenario that she's describing is probably going to happen, uh, with or without, without her. But, um, in this case, you know, she won't be at the center of it. And I think, I think that really was, um, a big reason for her decision. And, and she's pointing to an article in The Stranger, just to clarify, that mentioned that some folks, uh, the solidarity budget folks are planning to primary anybody who doesn't support, uh, defunding the cops by 50%, right? Yeah, I think that that is an overreaction to one article by a group that, um, you know, comes into, uh, you know, the budget discussion every single year um, and asks for a lot of stuff that they don't get. Um, but but I think that the underlying fact is that she probably will have people, you know, or would have people running at her from both the left and the right because it's going to be a really competitive year. Lisa sort of pointed to the potential challenge from the kind of defund abolition sort of far left or radical left as as the main impetus for her. And she kind of dismissed a challenge from the quote unquote right, but from the center as kind of sort of meaningless and said, I, I'm not afraid of, of the business community, other people coming after me. But the reality was she was pressured from from both sides, right? And and I, I agree with Erica. It's kind of an overreaction, I think, a little bit on Lisa's part to this article in The Stranger where, you know, the kind of solidarity budget, the defund folks sort of threaten to, to, you know, essentially, quote unquote, primary incumbent council members for not doing what they wanted. But I do know because somebody else on the council had told me that when that article came out a few weeks ago, Lisa was incredibly pissed about it. And I think she was really pissed about it because – She's going into the 23 elections. It's no secret that she was in an incredibly vulnerable political position in her own district. Her her polling numbers are, to put it mildly, not good. And I think a big reason for that is she went so far out on a limb in 2020, you know, essentially to back 
these same activists that were now kind of threatening the primary her. I think that's a, a wild misread of what actually happened that we covered in really great detail. I mean, and, and specifically the, the amendments to the budget that Lisa Herbold supported and and wrote and yes but i but i think that you're saying that she you know was sort of this this defund advocate who completely changed her tune i don't think that is true well she went out there in 2020 and said she would cut uh, you know police by 50% which is a big part of the reason why her i'll tell you eric i've seen polling on her recently that her net favorables are atrocious you're saying two different things you're not you're not you're not tying those right and there's a reason for it is because she went too far on defund abolition and now the same people who the activists that she was backing you know uh uh, you know uh uh, back then were now threatening her uh, the the activists that she was backing she didn't endorse um nicole thomas kennedy until the very last minute i mean i i I, what, what frustrates me in the conversation about about lisa in particular and you know and and it gets back to something you mentioned briefly, David, in your intro, she has been around the council for 25 years or will have been once she's done with this term and is one of the most knowledge is the most knowledgeable council member up there about council issues, about how the city runs and and just the nuance of city budgeting. Um, when when they were discussing the 2020 budget, um, it is true that she um, joined this thing, uh, this this group of folks who said, you know, we should we should figure out a way to reduce the police budget by 50 percent by funding other things. And then in the course of that budget, that same year, there were she made a lot of decisions that were compromises that were quite controversial in 2020 with the activists uh, who wanted to defund because she said, look, for example, um, you know, if we defund the police by, you know, the remaining four months of this year or whatever, we're going to have to get rid of public disclosure officers. And we're talking about civilian positions that we actually need. And there was a big debate over $5.4 million. She and Andrew Lewis, you know, decided to narrow it down to $3 million in cuts. It was very small cuts. My point is that, you know, her positions are not, we're not were not the sort of um, hysterical swings that Sandeep is describing from screaming to defund the police department to um, to defending them. I mean, it was she's always taken nuanced positions on every issue. And, and as I said in a Twitter thread, I mean, this is and, you know, I mean, Lisa is, is someone I know personally. Um, so, uh, you know, grain of salt, but just observing the council for almost 25 years myself, um, you know, man, she is a she is a thoughtful, uh, you know, person, both as a staffer and now as a council member. And she doesn't she's not a um, a kind of, uh, you know, uh, soundbite type of uh, politician, you know, often to her detriment, I think, because she gets up there and she talks and people don't know what she's talking about because she gets in the weeds. And um, and, you know, and she gets kind of caricatured as like both this this hard left winger and then like by the left as, you know, a right winger. Yeah, I agree with some of what you just said, <laughs> I will, you know, uh, um, look, I do think Lisa's super smart. I think Lisa, Lisa really understood the levers of government and the levers of power, the levers of the bureaucracy. So how to, and she was, I think, a creative thinker about how you, um, and she is a creative thinker about how you use those levers to kind of attain, uh, her ends. I think in, in her, at, at heart, she is a progressive activist. You know, there's a reason you, Erica, and she, are such good friends is because you see the world in the same way. Oh my much. God. She's, are yes. you kidding? Yeah, there I are, disagree there with are her completely on some of the hugest issues. Certainly on things like, 
like, like, like, you know, some of the so, uh, on, on policing and public well, safety. Envi- your, mostly environmental, urban stuff. I no, let me finish my statement. And in fact, I'm sorry. she was very clear in the statement that she put out. She said, I am a, you know, I want a progressive like myself to be, uh, you know, uh, to have the best chance of winning this seat. I think she was implicitly acknowledging that she herself is politically wounded and she thought she would have a tough time. Uh, getting reelected, which I think is true. Her polling numbers are really bad. Um, uh, but, uh, and, and so, and so look, did she swing? Of course she swang. Uh, you know, she's not a, a sound. I, I agree with you. She's more substantive than just being a kind of bumper sticker soundbite kind of, kind of person. I think Lisa's way smarter and more substantive than that. Totally agree with that, that part of your, your, your commentary. But she ran in 2019 when she got reelected. A big part of her platform was saying that she would add cops. And then in 2020, she endorsed defunding the cops by 50%. Then you're right. She backed away from it when she kind of realized it was a, that was nonsense. It didn't make any sense. You couldn't do that. And, and, and the active and, and inspired the activist ire in so doing. Since since you're focusing on the the fifty percent defunding, one of the things um, that that Lisa and others on the council pointed out was that the proposals to defund the police were not primarily about. Uh, I mean, the problem wasn't about um, wanting to get rid of officers and cut officer positions. At least uh, from the council's perspective, obviously from the public's perspective, it was. But I mean, the issue at the police department that was identified at the time is these bloated salaries and this huge amount of overtime cops were making and are continue to make that is costing the city a tremendous amount of money. So when you say and when they said defund the police, what they were actually talking about, what the council was talking about, was trying to figure out how to reduce some of the spending. Um, now, I, I think it did all eventually go back to, you know, we need less cops and more, you know, community responders. But again, I, I just think like. I think caricaturing something that happened two years ago in 2020 or three years ago um, is, uh, you know, it it, it does a disservice to the people who are actually trying to, you know, to to do some stuff and to write some policy in a very volatile environment. I think Lisa was one of those people. It was a volatile environment and she fucked up by endorsing a 50% cut to SVD and she was paying a political price for that. And she didn't even get credit on the left for it, right? Because you're right. She did try to figure out a, 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 a more reasonable kind of policy approach that got towards the same goals, right? She shares your view, Erica, public safety, and she's pretty skeptical of SVD and SVD fund. She's been the public safety chair, right, for the last couple of years. And I think she, she fought the, the bonuses that Sarah Nelson put forward before there was a compromise brokered by the mayor's office. You know, on this recent budget vote over the 80 position, symbolic or not, she sided with the left in cutting the positions. She sided um, with a reasonable perspective and also with the mayor uh-huh. that you can't just with, let with police positions grow like, for no, all The mayor eternity. did not support them cutting the 80 he, he But he went along with it. He acquiesced. They compromised. That's called a compromise. And that's yeah. a success for yeah. both sides. Well, well, sure. Uh, um, it, uh, but as I said in our budget conversation, we're headed into a gonna, what's going to be a really hard-fought election over council races and votes like that have political importance beyond the the sort of internal workings of policy at the city of Seattle. Do you really think that like your average voter Sandeep is sitting around unpacking the intricacy of that vote and her relationship to the further left and the middle left and the center left and that that would actually be the centerpiece of, of the 
2023 campaign? Or is it more about what's happening right now and how voters are feeling about the city right now? I'm a little skeptical that like, um, you know, it's both. I mean, I guess you could bring it up in your uh, in your campaign in your campaign ads. You don't think every single one of them that pledged to make a 50 percent cut that that wasn't going to get brought up and voters weren't going to get reminded yeah, uh, look, in the campaign Lisa's, that you run, maybe Sunday. Lisa's Lisa's image, I think, to her detriment in the first district, which is West Seattle, which is not say districts two or three, right, which are more left districts, right? Uh, uh, Tammy Morales's or Shamus wants Capitol Hill or Southeast Seattle. West Seattle, it's a, it is is more of an eclectic mix, uh, but also more, you know, it's not it, it's not a district where. The progressive activist position on on um, policing, I think, is the majority position, and I think that's why she was she was vulnerable. And and, I, and, and, and and yes, I do think her image in that district was wound, It's clearly wounded from the polling numbers I've seen, in, because David, I think there is a hangover from uh, stuff that happened over the last couple of years or two years ago. That was a searing moment in 2020. Everybody remembers it. And they kind of remember where their council member was on it. So, Erica, go ahead. I mean, we've had an election since then, too, a council election. So, I, you know, it's it's going to be a while ago by 2023. But but I will say to take Lisa at her word um, to the extent that, you know, we have a a blog post by her and, um, you know, and she's saying like she's worried about the left. I think that, you know, I mean, during the during 2020, I mean, she had a Frickin' brick thrown through her window. Um, and, you know, we, it was never, you know, I think figured out who that was. Um, but the fact is, like, she has been, you know, like a lot of other council members, you know, it's, it, she's been realizing, I think, that it's kind of a shitty job. And, you know, people hate you. And people have said very misogynistic things about her. The, goes with the territory, I suppose. But like, it is, you know, it's a, it's not a good job. I don't know why anybody runs for it. I mean, I, I love that they do because I like covering the policy stuff and I like covering the personalities. But man, it's a hard job. And I think, you know, to to the um, to the point of the budget, I mean, I think one frustrating thing, um, and this is this is somewhat conjecture, but I think one frustrating thing is having Sarah Nelson on the council, w- who is questioning, you know, basically everything every single other council member says, including somebody who's super knowledgeable like Lisa. And, you know, and sort of suggesting, I mean, during the last budget, you know, she kept kind of bringing up these points that if she had read the briefing materials, you know, whatever, she would have known more what she was talking about. But but essentially kind of coming from a position of not having all the facts and accusing her colleagues of, you know, acting in poor, bad faith or, you know, doing things that they weren't. And another four years of that, honestly, or two years of that, I could see how it could be very frustrating because Sarah Nelson really wants to be public safety chair without wanting to do the work of being public safety chair. And um, and so she's butted heads specifically with Lisa and also with Teresa Mosqueda quite a bit. Yeah, I think your take on Sarah is way, way is I definitely don't share it, but I don't want to get off on a tangent to have an argument about Sarah Nelson. We can we can save that for for another day. Um, other than I just don't think your take on Sarah is. Right. I mean, she I mean, said last. She said yeah, earlier no. this month that she didn't know what the lead program does. So, yeah, I, mean. I think I think you right. I mean, come on. Uh, um, she knows what the lead program is, but but uh. Uh, I do think she butted heads with Lisa. Look, in terms of your earlier point that this is a tough job, uh, and that living through the, the, that era of 2020 and, 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 you know, was really rough on every single one of them. It, you know, 
Jenny Durkin suffered a shitload of abuse. I'm Lisa did all the council members did like, and I still think in a lot of ways, city council is a great job because you have so much opportunity to be able to do things. But yes, our, our political culture has this level of toxicity to it now and, and, and anger and, and kind of, you know, um, uh, you know, a sort of acceptance of levels of, of kind of rhetorical assault or whatever that makes it really hard to be an elected official. I totally agree with you on that. And I, and I, I, I don't think Lisa deserves to have a fucking brick thrown through her window. I think that's terrible or any of them, you know, uh, no matter what their positions are. And I, I, I wish there was some way we could dial some of that bullshit back because it really does make it harder to get people to run, good people to run. I agree with you 100% on that. So, okay, so poor Lisa Herbold. I mean, you guys are so disingenuous. Like, you basically sympathize with, with, with whoever, like, meets your own political ends you sympathize with, whether that's Sarah Nelson, whether that's Lisa Herbold, whether that's Jenny Durkin. It's so predictable, you know, how much she suffered, Erica, in 2020. I'm you sorry, never said that you, about Durkin. You never said Durkin it about Durkin. Durkin didn't and have the, a brick thrown through, her, thrown through okay, her window. Okay, and on the reverse side, Sandeep never says it about any... Anyway, that's just how it is. I'm sorry. And also, I'm not saying poor Lisa how she suffered. I said it's a shitty job, and I don't understand why anybody I don't runs disagree. I don't disagree with either of you. I just think people listening at home should realize that neither of you are consistent in your sympathy. That's all. No, because you're, because not, it's based it's, on your political allegiance. That's not true. Look, yeah, that's, that's, to- that's totally not true. Oh, no, I, I agree with Sunday. That is not true. Okay, I'm sure you both don't agree. Yeah, the one thing you can agree on. We're TVF against you, David. You're uh, yeah. full of shit. I represent the listener, the, the unbiased oh, listener. There's like God. one person uh, out there who's with me. I've anyway. been saying since 2020 that all of them had it rough, man, whether they were on the second floor or the seventh floor. That was a really rough period. For, for every single everybody had protests at their house you know David Wait, we've talked that, about the Sonics I mean it's it's yeah. gone back a long ways and uh and there was a lot of abuse hurled at 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 elected <laughs> officials of all ideological stripes during that period I, I I've thought that from that period on um uh and so so anyway yeah. yeah, I mean, and I and I thought that uh, going way before. I mean, you know, they, okay. they were getting. Okay, I death listen threats. every week, so all I can say is <laughs> oh I hear where God. the sympathies lie. Yeah, but all right, yeah. that's fine. Oh, uh, in any case, all right. let me just say so. So she's not running because it's a shitty job. Can I just take us back to the stranger article briefly? You know, and her claim that she's not running because. She's worried about a situation where she might not win and another Sarah Nelson gets in. I mean, that's what I see her saying, or, or even worse, an Ann Davison. So just what about that possibility or, or um, anything else about the Stranger article? Look, I think she was kind of, you know, extrapolating a lot, right? You know, and, and that, that, it, that this wasn't necessarily some kind of inevitable scenario. That said... I think she has cause to be worried. Look, I, I, I have said, I, I continue to say, I, I think there was evidence from, it from this last election that the, the endorsement of the stranger has a tremendous impact in, particularly in primaries in Seattle. So I do think Lisa was worried given, honestly, like how kooky and dare I say irresponsible the stranger has sometimes been in recent election cycles. That when she reads this article by Hannah, like kind of law, this sort of puff well, I mean, piece article about the solidarity, right, really, right, right, right. A, yeah, sure, a press release relight about how the, they are going to primary all these sellout council members and rah rah lefties go do that, blah blah blah. I think Lisa, as an elected official, reads that and says, "Oh shit, the stranger may may dump me 
for some, you know, whack job. And then I'm fucked because the Seattle Times will never endorse me. And then I'm going to get squeezed out in the primary. I think she said that, right? Like, like that was her concern. And I don't, I, I actually don't think it was all that likely that that scenario would, would materialize. I think the stranger actually learned something from their fuck up in 2021. Uh, they don't quite admit it, but I think they kind of, feel like they've got a lot of egg on their face now that Ann Davidson is city attorney in, in oh, Seattle. Yeah, I mean, you know? I, <laughs> but, I think, I, I think like, let's, I mean, literally I'm like scanning through this article and it is just like a rewrite of, you know, with all the same headlines as the press release we all got and with a description slightly reworded of the, of, of these policies that like, you know, frankly, I mean, like I said at the beginning, these, these come up, you know, every, um, every budget, every election, we can debate them. But the fact is that we have to look at like the elections that we, that we have had historically. And, you know, while we get a shit ton of candidates every year for every single position, that doesn't mean we get a shit ton of viable candidates or, you know, good candidates. I mean, not to, you know, to, to, to be a little judgy about some of our past, you know, our past contenders. I mean, Lisa's opponent, uh, both times was, you know, this kind of, this kind of, kook um from west seattle who uh if who is a republican um and just had like completely you know wackadoo to use to use one of your favorite words sunday uh you know like perspective on on what should be done in west seattle you know and he was like an unemployed you know i you know i don't i sat down with them seattle times endorsed him because you're right they hate lisa but you know, there's there's always a lot of threats about, you know, candidates from the left or the right, but you got to get people who are willing to run. And um, I go back to it's a shitty job. Right. But, but you know, I do think it, it was a factor. It, it seems clear from her statement that the stance the stranger has been taking on sort of doing these kind of puffy stuff about the the abolitionist defund critics of the current council incumbents. Uh, you know, uh, wait on her. I heard a few weeks ago when that article came out, I, another council member told me she was really pissed about it. And um, uh, yeah, so. Is it smart politics? Uh, yeah. Like if, if, if what she's saying is she wants to pass the baton to somebody who ideologically is kind of more aligned with her is is creating this open seat and choosing not to run and sort of losing the power of name recognition and incumbency. Is that really the best way to go? Well, you can't pass the baton to anybody. That's never how it works out. You you think it's going to, or you know, people think it's going to, and our elections are pretty chaotic. And as we've seen, and as as uh, Lisa mentioned in her um, her email, you know, even money doesn't buy elections in the same way that it used to, or as predictably anymore, right? So you don't get to pass the baton. You just get to step aside. And I, I think that that's a little bit. Um, you know, I mean, it's what all politicians say when they retire, right? Um, but it's not necessarily something you you have any control over. Yeah, I'm I'm basically in agreement with Erica about this. I don't know that we know whether it's going to make it easier to get a kind of a a, a, a like minded sort of progressive to Lisa elected. Look, first of all, I thought I, I should say while Lisa entered this election cycle, if she did run, uh, you know, with a significant deficit. Her polling numbers are bad. She has some vulnerabilities. Um, it's also not clear that she wouldn't have won, right? She's won close races in the past. Other council members, you know, with bad polling numbers, namely Shama Sawant, has been able to pull the rabbit out of the hat in previous elections and get themselves reelected even when their their numbers are bad. So I don't think it was a done deal by any means that Lisa was toast politically if she had run. Uh, I think she's she's right to say that. You know, she essentially said, I, I think I could have run. But um, 
But yes, I'm with Erica. I don't know that she can sort of pass the baton and there's some, you know, Lisa Herbold clone progressive activist who's going to now be in the catbird seat. My question was really more, is she smarter to step away because of the poll numbers that you're not really revealing the source of, but the polling that you're seeing that says that, like, you know, supposedly she's... She's she's going to face an uphill battle. It's speculative because we don't know who the candidates are. But but it's, right. Is, well, that's or, the problem. Is she we don't so know. So unpopular. She's is she really so unpopular that um, she's better off stepping away if she wants that seat to remain in in progressive hands? I guess. I don't know. I think she was going to have a tough reelect. But as I said, that that's um, that's not necessarily uh, an indication that she was you know, sure to lose. Um, and, and, and yeah, I don't think we can know until we see who gets in. What do we get? We could have like 10 candidates get in on that seat. And if there's a preponderance of them on the progressive or the left side, they could end up cannibalizing each other. Um, you know, there's any number of scenarios that are going to emerge here. And as Erica says, it's kind of chaotic and unknowable at this point, right? You know, th- there's no anointing that can happen here. There's just we're just gonna have to wait and see who the hell gets in and how the field shapes up and what the landscape looks like once once the field is set. Erica, I feel the the next most knowledgeable person about the city council is you. Are you gonna you thinking about doing it? <laughs> yeah, I, I really I want I want a job where I'm like even more directly accountable to the pu- public than I already am through Twitter. <laughs> My God. Nightmare. <laughs> you would certainly I carry mean, on the legacy. You at least are aligned on. on you'd a be lot a good debater. Come on, <laughs> I'd have to move to West Seattle too. You would. You would. Yeah, the bridge is open again. So voters in West Seattle have been in, have yeah. been in a cranky mood, not just because of some of the big ideological political battles, but for you know for. Two friggin' years, the West Hill Bridge was out, and people were fr- frustrated about that. And so th- there's definitely a level of, I think, crankiness among voters over there that w- would have been challenging for any incumbent. Yeah, they chose um, to live on an island. All right, we'll have to leave it there. That's another edition of Seattle Nice. She's Erica C. Barnett. He's Sandeep Kaushik. I'm David Hyde. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. If you want to contact us, you can reach us on Twitter, at us. Uh, or direct messages. It's at Real Seattle Nice at Twitter. You can also donate at our Patreon page or Patreon, depending on how you want to pronounce it. It's up to you. But it's Seattle Nice at Patreon, and we can't do it without your support. And again, thanks everybody so much for listening. Listener.